0: Oh, by the way, guys. Um... You're mm. recording me. Yep. Don't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: right. now do
2: primarily to wind you, uh, wind up you, you, Jamie. It's episode 109.
1: So what were you saying, Jamie? Mm, what was I saying where? You're about <laughs> to say, by the way.
0: Oh, it's okay. It's, it's gone out of my head already.
1: Okay. <laughs> I'll do the intro then.
0: Time to start. Mhm.
1: welcome to the bilge
0: pumps where a bunch of naval geeks spout off
1: hello everybody it's time for bilge pumps episode 109 uh we have the full crew on hand today and uh it should be a relatively interesting episode, considering we've got uh, mobile phones sync ships. I haven't, mm-hmm. I haven't come up with a loose si- ship, loose lip sync ships analogy just yet. Um, well, we'll come up with something on the way. It, it's through. the, it's the alliteration. Was it
2: Instagram or TikTok Snapchat. that did it? Snapchat. That still exists. Mm. It Snapchat. was a Snapchat alliteration. Though, so, so, so what sounds just like?
0: At- so what what to do with uh, ships has got at or app at in that names. Um, we we'll have to th- we we'll have to work hard on that alliteration, but we won't we won't pause right now. I have a shipping
2: yes. news app that tells me where ships are, and I can host it up at the horizon, and it tell me what the ship is I'm looking at.
0: Yeah, but it doesn't tell you where. All your warships are—they're actually involved yeah. in war games, do they?
2: Disturbing it turn- enough, it does. If they—if they do have their se- their systems on, which tell people where they are in the world, it does tell me exactly where they are. Yeah, yeah. The well,
0: it's—it's it's, what's it, the automatic AIS? It's, it's yeah, um, <laughs> um, uh, the- Theoretically, theoretically, commercial ships aren't allowed to turn them off. Um, warships, <laughs> theoretically, are allowed to turn them off. on You know, under certain circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, strangely enough, entire Chinese fishing fleets suddenly turn them off when they get on the edges edge of the um, territorial waters around the Galapagos Islands and the like. Um That's and also
2: you, to, to suffer but, such but, a group accident of, you know, electronics. Uh, Jamie, I'm not uh, sure. There is proven. a little head peering round behind you and I think an assassin oh, no. might be about the fire. <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. But uh, yeah, I was just going to say that you know the AIS has also proven the uh, concept of um, uh, you know of of the, the quantum theory of being in two places at once, as we yes. saw with um, HMS Defender being in Ukraine and festival at the same time. Yes, it's amazing,
2: but Defender is well known to be a tardis. You know that—that's the thing. The, the the Russians have for many years believed that Doctor Who is a fictional episode, but actually no. You see, the reason the British can afford to keep cutting their numbers of ships and not cut the number of missions they have to do <laughs> is that all our ships are secretly tardises, so they <laughs> okay. can secretly be in multiple places at one time. And so you, the, the Russians so, so should when, really when, when be very the... worried about this because they could appear on the river inside Moscow at any Wait, moment. It?
0: When does the doctor
1: get to become prime minister? Well, you you have to actually have talent to be an actor. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, Sorry. A oh. big, 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 huge amount. I mean, th- there is a certain amount of crossover between, you know, let's see. what's the job of an actor? The job of an actor is to lie to your face and convince you that something that isn't true is in fact true. What's the job of... Suspend, oh, right.
0: suspend disbelief.
1: Yes. The yes. job of a politician is basically the same, only it has impacts okay. in real life the, the, <laughs> anyway there is
2: a reason that the drama club in cambridge is full of ppe students and the drama <laughs> club in oxford <laughs> is full of ppe students. Uh, but yes. uh, yeah. sorry,
1: looping back to our snapchat sinking ships so this was a rather interesting one looking at the um reports coming out of it so the the exercise appears to have been that there was a simulated coastal defense missile battery and this uh freem frigate or frem frigate however you pronounce it is supposed to go in and take it out and so they've gone under mcon to sneak up on it and the uh the battery the missile battery crew are obviously trying to find it but it's not emitting any emissions and they're a fixed asset so they can't go looking for it except some clever person goes well hang on if this ship's getting close enough to the shore to spot us then there may be Uh, You know, a mobile phone on there that's not been properly secured, not been put into airplane mode or whatever, that's reaching out and probing and trying to find a cell tower to lock onto. And sure enough, uh, by analyzing some of the 4G data, they find there's um, because obviously you do, again, in terms of uh, how well you secure your phone, different apps have different permissions to do things on their own. And they detected uh, uh, the Snapchat app on one of the crew's phones was reaching out to a cell tower to try and presumably update itself or bring in the latest snaps that people were sending. And that gave them not a precise fix, but a general kind of bearing fix on where this random Snapchat account was. And since, well, there's not supposed to be a random Snapchat account just over the horizon in the middle of the ocean, they figured that's probably where where a ship that doesn't want to be seen is. And so they, saturation, volleyed a bunch of missiles into the area, obviously simulated, and it was ruled to have been a kill because obviously one or more of the missiles picked up what was going on and um, locked on, which, of course, if the ship's under MCON, it's not radiating its own radar or anything, so it would have been relying purely on things like infrared and visual spotting. So by the time anyone presumably spotted incoming missiles, it was too late. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, the the ship systems can do as much as much uh, emissions control as they like but all it takes is some idiot who hasn't switched off his mobile or put it into the appropriate uh, airplane mode and uh, you could lose well in this case theoretically in exercise the french navy lost a ship but in the larger context of things in peer-on-peer engagements it could lose you an entire battle group because if a battle group goes under emissions control you think how many people are in that battle group? You know, several thousand minimum, possibly several tens of thousands. Can you guarantee that every single one of them has uh, switched off their mobile phone? And I mean, anyone who's
0: been to a cinema or a, um, uh, a a you know a forum of some kind mm-hmm. <clears throat> not not talking about myself, who of mm-hmm. course you went yeah. to a,
2: a space <laughs> forum recently. Did you forget to turn yes, your, and your mobile of, off? And,
0: and- Yes, yeah, so I uh, about 30 seconds after I walked into the theatre, mm-hmm. the phone starts to ring. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's it's not new. No. Uh, how long ago was it that we heard that people were identifying US Special Forces training camps in Africa mm-hmm. from their uh, mobile phones and their um, sport and health tracking data apps yeah um, I, you know, I think for both I think american this is, for chinese for everyone of, the point
2: that was, you're getting to was, is, yeah. is, is, a, it, is is this a an exercise problem or a wartime problem because let me explain to me and it, put a it's a human a psycho-
0: psychology here. problem in
2: exercises yeah. etc i'm going to rely on the the personnel doing what they're supposed to but in wartime if i'm a captain and i'm in this scenario, I will probably tell the chief to make it so. In which case, I'm fairly sure at least 75% of the chiefs of most ships will pick up a hammer and walk around to everyone with a phone and go, out, smash. It no longer yeah, works.
0: Yeah, you're talking about hope. There's no system in place to do that. And hope that, is that not a not system. It's
2: not really a system. It's a, more a hope case of the practicality of the chief of hammer
1: and i think that and i think the pro- problem just comes with the sheer numbers it, this is the thing that the, the, you if you if you're on a patrol frigate you know with 200 odd crew yeah you can probably obviously in this Maybe. case obviously not but you could probably on a single ship with a couple of hundred people aboard you could probably <laughs> make a decent case that you could probably emission control everybody's mobiles if you're in a Let's say a multi carrier battle group with twenty thirty thousand crews spread across two dozen ships. Good luck. I mean you've got five thousand plus people on a single nuclear powered Nimitz uh, air, class aircraft carrier <laughs> trying to find the, the, every the, single person's mobile is the, the point is the point is
0: very simple unfortunately mm. It doesn't matter whether you're on a twenty person patrol vessel mm. or a five thousand person Capital ship, all it takes is one love struck teenager, mm-hmm. which mind you is probably making up about 50%, if not more, of your recruits to sneak aboard their mobile phone to keep in love with their significant other. Keep mm-hmm. so it. How do you stop that? And I think the only way you can stop that is not by you know, personal strip searches every time a person comes aboard. You're going to basically need to have some kind of, you know, self-detection system, some some system on your sh- ship, whether it's a 20-person patrol vessel or a 5,000-person capital ship to detect whenever that Snapchat account tries to, you know, um, dial in to its mm-hmm. um, server to detect every time that um, the... Uh, you know the what do you call it the um you know go go fund me mm-hmm. report reports that you're, um, op, your um your bid to buy a um, partially as- um, assembled De Mosquito is getting closer. Um, you know it's the, the yeah you know, and then you have apps like WeChat, you know built by Boom in China, um, and and many others in the same way that can suddenly be. Activated, I suppose, to give a hell of a lot more information. I mean, that book—what you know, um, was it called? The um, it came out a few years ago, where the where, where the U.S. Navy gets destroyed by the Chinese in, at, at Hawaii because mm-hmm. they had managed to hack a, or the construction of a chip uh, on an F-35. You know, well, it's it's worse than that. You know, why why can't every app that has come out of China have in it? A kernel of code that can suddenly start broadcasting your location whenever it wants to, and it's not a matter of checking every chip that you put inside your F thirty five. It's checking every chip in every mobile phone on every crew member. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of them you can defend against; the other one you can't.
1: Yeah, and it's and it you know it's it's a lot more widespread because you think you know people have your phone, but your tablet. Your ipad or whatever yeah. also your, they have your kindle your... your fitbit watch mm-hmm. you know any any electronic device potentially could could spy on be used to spy on you and part of the problem is that you know yeah if somebody is able to detect that there's a 4g signal reaching out from 20 miles over the horizon then yeah as you said definitely someone could come up with or already possibly has come up with something where that you could just stick on the master of the ship and go there are 16 4g signals operating um in a 200 meter radius around this location yeah the the problem is one then tracking them down and you know getting people to admit to what what's what because this is the other problem is that you it may be that people don't realize what's going on because yeah. not everybody has the same technological level of literacy they might have um you well, know they, they might, might have... have
0: other things in their mind like me when i walked into the um yeah you know, the space the, the space forum presentation so, yeah but... it's like
1: but and but um i think it is moving to a level where it is a you know a full-on threat because you said that years ago you could look up pre-existing data that had been collected and go, oh, there's a pattern of movement in this area. Therefore, um, this indicates that in the past, this is going on and maybe is currently going on. Whereas what we've seen with this exercise is a real-time event. Yes. And um, if, you know, once the cat is out of the bag, and I'm sure in, in the in naval intelligence community, it's probably been looked at as an issue for a while. But, you know, if you think about it, this this was this particular exploit was done using pre-existing cell towers that happened to be in the area. Mm. The signal carrier bands and the waveforms, et cetera, are known, so there's not really anything to stop someone say, um to go go back to something you quite like, Jamie, popping a cube set up <laughs> that just happens to broadcast you know a t and t verizon, orange three, 02, yes. etc. cetera, carrier waves. Or at least a good, good enough simulacrum of them to fool the mm. mobile phones, and just start broadcasting that down into an active operational area and listen for who pings back. Yes, um, and-, and
0: and again, yeah. Seriously, mm. this happened in the past few weeks.
2: Mm.
0: How long have you been hearing about how Ukraine's been exploiting mobile mm-hmm. phone? security well, lacks, lacks mobile phone security in in, you know, in, in yeah yeah well, i mean that doesn't point, help with the like, t-
2: taking that point from you dragon because mm-hmm. i've been sitting and thinking trying to think of a way to counter it and a way to get around it and you almost need to have the ability to mount it on three or so drones yourself have them fly around your group
1: mm-hmm.
2: and triangulate the signals
0: mm-hmm constantly
1: <laughs> well, constantly
2: <laughs> well you, you never you, you never
0: you, you never know say... when that love struck teenager is going to be going off shift yeah off well, I, think, I,
1: I think i think yeah. a part of it is going to have to be to be honest if if a ship is going into an area where action may be anticipated i.e., you're on a war footing or you're on a very sensitive mission it may just be a case of um having to have each crew compartment um, issued with the uh, you know those little faraday boxes that you can get yeah. to block signal mostly for car mm. keys to stop people cloning your car key and nicking your car you might just have to install a bunch of those in the crew quarters and then make it a extremely heavily punishable offense that you know if you if, you know when we are in a dangerous area of deployment or at war stations all Electronic, de- all non Navy issued electronic devices go in these boxes, period. Even if they have to have one in each crew locker, and you get the absolute book thrown at you if, in any way, shape, or form, it's discovered books, that you don't have it. But yeah, it is nicest way. You need to be more than just that history, you
2: to get the yeah. book front. You it would have mm. to be a mess level. It would be have to be a in, in nicest way, a scenario yeah. that. If anyone in the mess is found to be breaking protocol, all in the mess suffer. Exactly.
0: Because exactly
2: that's that's the only way you're going to get it to work, and it's not (laughs) nice to do it that way, but that's the only option.
0: Because yeah, yeah, if any, if history has taught us anything, book throwing means nothing to individuals, (laughs) because they always think it's not going to happen to them.
2: They don't think they'll get caught, Um,
0: but if the whole mess
2: thinks they're going to get, they'll get caught, or hmm. if the
0: whole mess is thinking that they're going to get. They're going to suffer because of somebody else. Yeah. yeah. Then they will start policing themselves, which is far, far more effective mm. than your chief petty officer mm. or your first lieutenant.
1: But it is something. I don't doubt the chief petty
2: officer. On. Never doubt the first lieutenant. may be more effective than, but never doubts the sheer levels a chief petty officer can go to to achieve uh, total
0: control. Yeah, <laughs> but, but that, it, that happens after the the <laughs> breach,
1: though. Yeah, it yeah. is something they're definitely going to have to work on. Work on though, because as we said, it only takes one. You know, you could have Mm. 30,000 people in a fleet, one mobile phone and a decent um, detection system to to ping its its SIM card or whatever. And pretty much as the French exercise demonstrated, you don't need a precise location. You just need a bearing vector. You volley Mm. tons of missiles down. And if the fleet's under emissions control, that's going to end very badly.
0: I mean look you've got you've got people in the open source intelligence community doing this kind of stuff already mm. and yeah. if they're doing it well admittedly they're pretty a, a few years ahead of mm. um, an institutional organisation such as a defence mm. force of some kind or a military force of any right. kind but um if you know if they can do it then yeah. you can pretty much guarantee that as soon as um, mm. someone uh, in, of importance hears of it they'll set up a unit and say go mm. forth and track and mm. yeah, I mean the I Russians. No the Russians haven't really...
1: helped themselves in the Ukraine by the fact that half of their mobiles appear to just quite happily jump onto Ukrainian networks. Well, that's actually deliberate. <laughs> kind of a home because, field advantage. Yeah, you, you, there, Ukraine.
0: But... Ukraine was 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 smart because one of the first things they did as soon as the attack began was mm. to actually block all Russians sourced prefixes. Mm. So the only way you could use the Ukraine mobile network was to use a Ukrainian mobile phone, mm. which meant. Yeah, which meant you know that they could therefore track it and pinpoint mm. it. If 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 your if a mobile phone tower in a uh, hot zone suddenly starts yeah. pinging, and you know oh, then you reference those other mobile phone towers, the ones that mm. said we're not quite so as close as the other one, mm. then they could could narrow down a band of activity. Mm. Um, not and that, that that's not even that's even before they start recording the voice conversations where they start
1: complaining about the commander being
0: drunk all the time
1: the 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 interesting thing though is going to be i can foresee a the whole liberty versus security argument that gets chucked around quite a lot in the west i can see that coming up because a border than
2: warship, the Royal Navy. well, no, or the, the, no, Navy.
1: it's not necessarily a border warship, it's the, to do with the technology involved. Because the technology involved basically the ability to read and ping people's mobile phones and get data off of them. Um, you know, theoretically, most people would only want that to be done by the mobile phone provider and purely to the level of providing them a service. You, you can, I mean, you can see that immediately some of the uh, more strident privacy advocates are going to be complaining about the fact that the government now has a third party way to potentially access and certainly at least ping and determine the location and activity status and the app, possibly even app status of your mobile, completely independent of any, you know, warranted requests to uh, a, a company that is accountable to the public but
0: i mean it's perfectly okay they they for a foreign-owned company who... for years
1: anyway and just haven't told anyone about it is another yeah, but, matter but, but,
0: but at the same time of course it's perfectly okay for the, the privately owned company with whichever nation's backing mm. is doing exactly the same thing in order to track your movements in order to sell you more adverts and more products and um
1: Oh yeah! And not only
0: that. I mean, it, not only that. Not only that. On sell your personal behaviour to other uh, agencies. So you know the, the point is is that it's, it's it's suddenly bad as soon as a government does mm-hmm. that. I can understand that. Oh yeah. yeah as soon but as it's not government so does bad. That. It's not. It's not so bad when it's uh, a profit making exercise by <laughs> a insert
1: billionaire here, yeah. which is he, he- frankly is to me is worse. Yeah, so, the thing is, I didn't say it was a sensible or coherent no, perspective. No, no. I just said that is the perspective. <laughs> that is yes. that is the row that will blow up, it, and this, it, I mean, and that's why countries like Australia
0: have been getting upset with um, companies like Huawei, uh, mm-hmm. you know, getting involved in their um, telephone networks and their uh, internet infrastructure and the like, because that's been the point that various data leaks have been tracked back to, and. Mm you know um... although it,
1: although it kind of it kind of, that in a lot in a lot of cases that kind of stuff does in i think personally in some ways it tracks back to a point i keep making about how governments keep demanding that their militaries do things and not and then they don't pay for them mm. um you know when it comes to Huawei and such like yes it's it's valid to have concerns about you know having a a, a foreign um tech telecoms entity in building and potentially controlling a good chunk of your vital telecoms infrastructure Crit- critical infrastructure yeah on the other hand um i do kind of roll my eyes at some of the protests because the same you know the government is going, we want this telecoms infrastructure, but Huawei is we don't pay for it. either the cheap <laughs> yeah they' they're either the cheapest or in some cases the only people who can provide the technology. So everyone's whining about it, but no one's prepared to offer a decent alternative to it. Uh, you mm-hmm. saw this when when the um that whole issue blew up in the states a little while ago, a lot of a lot of private companies were pushing back on it on the basis that you know, Huawei stuff was cheaper. Easier to install, mm-hmm. it worked better, um, was more yes. reliable, etc. Mm-hmm. etc. And they were like, Well, and you know, the apologist, like, oh, you must yeah. buy American, and and like, yeah, but the American and... stuff doesn't, it, it's overpriced, mm-hmm. tangled up in legal stuff, it doesn't work half the time, and they keep changing their terms and conditions. So, why would it, we it's buy just an business? Product.
0: It, yeah, it's just business, you know, they provided the better product, commercial forces, yeah. um, market forces meant that people went to Huawei it's yeah. just that behind, behind Huawei was the compulsory three members of the um, communist party on the board mm-hmm. and um, the compulsory um, civil military fusion programs which meant that yeah uh, every every piece of civil inf- infrastructure is designed to integrate seamlessly with military infrastructure
1: yeah which but then this and then it comes back to the I say the whole hypocritical thing of yes there is a concern but People seem to think the way of dealing with a concern is to complain about it rather than actually provide an alternative. Oh, <laughs> well, you know, complaining makes people feel better. Yeah. Like, Oh, no, our security infrastructure is like, well, yeah. It but provides you, the
2: if, simulation of feeling like you're doing something. That actually yes. pressure and difficulty yes. actually you having to do something. Yeah, like politics.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's, it's a nice way it's the Karen of phenomena and um, I hate using that phraseology because that's my own sister's name but we we have this archetype this person who likes to complain the whole time whenever there is she's just the other side actual... of the
0: wall isn't she she's just yeah. we, we see this fist burst through the wall and grab you by the uh, actually
2: here's the fun. she does actually complain a lot sometimes when she's into things but she has a legitimate reason because she's as I've said before very much gluten and she's gluten and dairy free through allergies and sometimes people just take that as go, well, here, have the vegan thing. And the vegan thing isn't actually gluten and dairy free in the way that she needs it to be. And you sit there and go, yeah, that, that that's not the same thing. Being vegan is not the same. So I can understand her having a complaint. But there is a whole scenario that there are these people who like to complain to servers in restaurants. And you sit there and go, why are you complaining to serve in a restaurant? They, they're usually underpaid. They are running around dealing with far more than they're supposed to be. There is absolutely no point in complaining to them. If the food is undercooked or anything like that, then you go, sorry, I'm um, sorry to say, please, could, could you get this cooked, please? Because that's not, that's, that's still alive. And that's chicken. It's not supposed to be alive. <laughs> Steak, maybe a little bit on the rare side, but chicken, no, I'm not supposed to see it have a pulse. Thank you. Could you take that away? Um, that's one thing. Going, oh, this is not the right kind of tap water. you are just complaining because you just get some sort of high from complaining and I do sometimes consider that in modern politics and a lot of these debates some of the people involved are just people who like to shout and complain about things and don't want to actually do anything else with their life because that would be
0: hard Hmm. yes well, well you're right you're very right a lot of people do simply get some kind of you know serotonin rush from complaining I but uh, winding it back to warships. Mm-hmm. Winding well, it back to
1: warships, drones, technology, etc. We've got the uh, Hyun... <laughs> i still... Sorry. I know they're a massive conglomerate and they build warships, but the Hyundai Carrier. <laughs> the only thing you see that's Hyundai branded yeah, in the but... UK are cars. So the step up to a carrier. Okay. They're not usually okay. so, considered so... the most
2: expensive cars either. Uh, but Mitsubishi used to build fighter aircraft.
1: I know, I know. Aircraft. I
2: know,
0: man. Mitsubishi I mean, built the Evo, which is a very and, nice and car. So
2: that makes sense. Rolls a fighter.
0: Rolls Royce used to build fighter engines. Yep,
1: the Merlin's. So, Rolls Royce do so, build so, engines. It depends which
0: company well, you're talking
2: well, about. Exactly.
0: So,
1: so they, Rolls you know, Royce uh, cars
2: uh, are no longer part of the same company as Rolls Royce engines. Oh,
0: that's right. They're owned by Ford now,
2: aren't they? Mm. no are, but, are they owned by ford or are they owned by a german company i thought they were I'm german the rolls
0: royce no uh, okay they've been sold off to someone
2: yeah um, they, any- <laughs> they keep
1: being sold around anyway i know so, uh, tata
2: steel owned land rover
1: i think but uh yeah so that th- this uh cvx design which we have looked at previously we've looked at a, a version thereof but it's kind of it's a new model,
0: a new version. It's a new, yeah. it's a
1: new model of basically the modern escort carrier, effectively.
0: Hmm. Well, uh, and that, that yeah. role still you know, it's a role that needs to be filled. And it's a role that's being filled. I am filled liking quite. the fact
2: that it's, it, its flight deck includes Merlin helicopters, F 35s, and I think they're Cobra attack choppers.
1: Probably Super Cobras.
2: Super Cobras, yeah. And I'm sitting there going, actually, that's a pretty good mixture. I, if I was loading that mixture and going to war at the moment, I would not be unhappy. I have one of the world's best anti-submarine warfare aircraft. I have a very nice attack air, uh, helicopter to do, do some really nasty things to people with. And I have F-35s for air to support. And I can just roll them to do that job. Yeah, that's that that that's that's fine. I'll take that. But then you get to the picture of the aft, and this is the reason we brought it up because and I'm going to claim credit for this because I'm looking at it going, well, they've got a split deck for their, to, su- to support their operation of their UAVs, etc. And this is a return to the 1920s. We used to have split decks on carriers in the 1920s for multiple launching mm-hmm. positions. And they've gone back to it. But this time they're off the rear rather than the front.
0: It, it, that- it does re- does remind me of the various videos I have seen and accounts I've heard from my um, World War II um, Memories of War videos that I've been building of mm. you know, aircraft that just don't quite land on the back of the deck enough. <laughs> they they, they, yeah. they, just hit, they hit the round down. They hit, hit They hit because you know, the, the, the stern rises and falls mm. with the waves. I, I do agree. Um, I don't
2: think that's going to be and- a good position.
0: Um, I I mean, that's bad enough with a normal aircraft carrier where the end of the ship equals the end of the flight deck. But where the end of the ship equals the end of a drone launching platform and then maybe 30 metres, 40 metres ahead of that is actually where the flight deck starts, um, yeah, I guess you might have to be completely relying on that automatic landing system as opposed to any kind of intuitive um, Um, feeling on, on behalf of the pilot.
2: Let's put it this way. I have this strong feeling that these ships are going to be vertical landing only vessels.
1: <laughs> well,
2: because that's I mean, the I, only way you're gonna guarantee avoiding that dip.
1: <laughs> I'm I mean, I I like the idea of a drone only flight deck operational area because let's face it, drones are a lot smaller, they have very different operational requirements. Um they're unmanned so you don't there's that this field. one
2: has six spots
1: but um and and they've obviously incorporated a oh, bit, five spots. Bit, bit of the hangar access as well yeah. um mm. but yeah as as jamie mentioned this idea of carving out a section of the stern that's just begging for somebody to land slightly short and end up accidentally visiting the hangar at high speed <laughs> because though those those hangar bay doors are not going to be strong enough to stop a a short falling F thirty five. They also must the have a
2: half height hangar in there.
1: Because you think about, a that if you think uh, about deck, a, that think about a deck that to the left goes main there. hangar bay. Hmm? I have a feeling that may just be access to a lift into the main hangar bay.
2: Well, you see, they've got the lifts out over so, outside anyway. The lifts would you wouldn't need doors. But that's for, for you the full size aircraft.
1: I'm talking about like just there that if you if you open those. There might be together? just there might just be uh you know, a, a basic internal lift so that you can stick drones on it. No, uh, bring them a half height the, up the, This out. is gonna
2: sound strange. I'm not sure where this is because I, I cannot remember where it was, but I read a write up and it's got basically a mezzanine hanger. Inside, which I know, because I remember thinking about it and drinking, well, that's what I described They're sort of looking at fitting into the Queen Elizabeth class, the drones. Because then mm. they could have two levels of drones. And I'm sure they did have a lift, would have a lift or some sort of thing between the level so they could do it. But then, because they, they could far more efficiently stack and maintain drones in half height than they could in the full height hangar space. It was a waste of space, having uh, having drones stored in that way. But you could have it sort of
1: two levels for the drones. My idea wouldn't be to do it at the stern. My idea would be, and you could potentially even do this with the QEs as well. You know, as, as someone pointed out, you know, in, in a lot of ways, because apparently Hyundai got um, Babcock and Rolls-Royce involved in the design process. So in that a lot would of ways, explain the, the
2: Twin Island configuration.
1: <clears throat> yeah, this, this is kind of the escort carrier version of the QEs, which means they have a ski jump. And what's mm-hmm. under that ski jump? It's just a hollow space hollow space at the front of the ship so you know i if it was up to me i would just go right very very bow of the ship um you know the the hangar is narrowing or possibly has even stopped the main hangar so it's not really a a useful space for for large aircraft put your drone hangar there and have a little lift that comes up underneath the ski ramp and the bit, bit underneath the ski ramp becomes your drone flight deck because as we know, well, as you can see with all these drones, they're all all the drones of VTOL and they can side slip, etc. So they don't need a full vertical landing space. Um, and if they do, for whatever reason, have to come down onto deck before being wheeled in, on this design, you've got these two little side slip spaces either side of the ski jump. On the QE, you've got a huge bit of deck space starboard of the ski jump. Um, and then you just have little rolling. Shutter. You you could have little rolling shutter hangers either su- on the ramps, the the sort of the triangular bits either side of the ski jump, and you just open those up. Drones fly out the side, drones come back in again that way. Um, if you really, 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 really want to, for whatever reason, you could stick a a forward opening door and shoot them straight out front or something like that. But that but,
2: would create a, that would create air issues for going over the ski ramp. But,
1: well, I would poten- imagine potentially if if you're moving at the speed. But the if the of work they they you're moving, at...
2: trying to make the ski ramp and have have yeah. good air going over it if for aircraft. If launching. you're
1: moving at a slow speed or you're stationary, you can use the up forward hatch. And if you're moving at speed or you're conducting flight ops, you just have them come out the side. It's going to be. Um,
0: the point is, is that we we learned, well, we I, I suppose yeah you know, we we learned the um the the cost of taking a chunk out of your flight deck, mm. um mm. out of operation. A long time ago, uh, because it, it, it just completely removes flexibility. It, it becomes. Saratoga and
2: Lexington uh, had those eight-inch guns, and they decided we're going to get rid of those.
0: And, and yeah, you know, well, not you know, and you know, the British armored carriers had their four-point-fives mm. um, intruding into the flight deck as well. But yes, but the point is, is that once you take a chunk out of your flight deck, you lose that flexibility of that space. So why not? just flatten the flight deck and put your um, drone recovery and operations facilities, the small lifts or the small recharges or whatever you need in between your two islands. Okay, I mean, it's obviously a a spot that's very tempting to use for vertical lifts, but dedicating it to something like a um, uh, a drone operations, you know, uh, niche would be far more effective, in my mind, than than having a, a step approach to your stern flight deck. Um, I also thought, like you did, uh, Dr. Clark, that you know if you start doing it around the bow, you know, the bow, as we know, has a lot of airflow issues because it's the first point of contact between the ship and the clean air in front of it, um, and you know that's why carriers from you know, the year dot created, you know, had the sort of uh, shape that they did in order to, to force that air upwards over the bow to add as an extra boost to the aircraft carriers all sorts of experiments on ground
2: downs to try and mm. work out airflow and make it as good as possible. And, you know, modern carriers we like to joke that sort of they've got slab bits of steel, etc. But the amount of effort which goes into the mm. design of that hull to make sure the air
0: flows right. And, and, and while that's well, that kick might be nice for an F-18 or an F-35 going over the bow, um, a lightweight drone, you know, might find itself thrown back on the uh, F-35 behind it, which, you know, I, it, I could be a bit expensive. Also so, a it,
2: small problem in that it sort of, we're sort of presuming that drones are going to sp- stay small than lightweight. And whilst I do it, believe some drones we'll, are. I think
0: there will always will be a mix. This is the point. And yeah. so you're going to need, you, you're going to need those facilities for the smaller, lightweight ones, um, but you're not going to want them to detract from your full-size ones, manned not. or uh, otherwise. Well,
1: I think the thing and, is, once the drones get to a certain size, they basically be- they would graduate to the big boys' hangar, if you like. Exactly.
0: Yes. <clears throat> yeah. But you don't but, want you, you don't want your uh, flight deck design to be uh, restricting their operations on behalf of the half and quarter sized ones which could you know equally operate just from a corner of the flat deck um as opposed to a um a, a huge chunk carved out of the back or the side or the front
1: yeah well that's that this is this is kind of like why I like the idea of using the bow of the ship and the uh, the void space under the under the ski jump because it's a space in the hangar that's or beyond the hangar that's not really useful for full size aircraft because of the narrowing of the ship's bow and the void space under the ski jumps not being used for anything much except maybe the odd bit of paint storage at the moment so it makes sense to repurpose that area for the smaller drones and if you if you have to if you have to you know schedule their flight operations around the flight operations of the big aircraft that's not exactly a huge issue um because you know when aircraft are taking off um and you can pop out when when there's not an aircraft about to to head off whereas um you know once those aircraft are up in the air you can do as many drone operations as you like aircraft can land at the back or as much as you like it's not going to make any odds to your drone ops whereas but, having uh, it at the back it's a bit more dangerous but,
0: but as a drone operator track you've experienced buffeting you've experienced mm. the effects of wind and yeah. of course a ship moving at 30 knots is going to be or 25 knots is going to be causing wind over deck which a Small to medium-sized drone might struggle with, um, so therefore a recessed cutaway at the stern would be very tempting because it would get that initial protection from the hull for it to get its for its you know propellers uh, you know, to get a grip in the air before it um, breaks away and heads off mm. to do its mission. Mm. Um, I mean that might be the reasoning behind this that it's, it provides a sheltered spot for. final approach and the initial takeoff for a drone
1: potentially but it's not
0: going to get it's not going to get that it's going to get the opposite to that
1: off mm -hmm. the bow but i think at the same time you know it's 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 kind of a 50 50 situation because if you are using the the stern the approach to the stern historically you know there's a huge amount of character designs but going into trying to just trying to minimize the turbulence but there is always going to be turbulence because you've got several tens of thousands of tons of metal moving through the air ahead of you so you'd be able to take off relatively easily just throw yourself out into the turbulence mm-hmm. and hope you're still vaguely upright when you get out the other side but coming back in is going to be harder whereas for taking off from the bow you've got relatively clean air for takeoff but it's going to be harder to come back come back in again although i suppose if if you're not having the other way li- around. Yeah, if you're not having flytops on, un, un, like, let's say your F-35s are off doing something a couple of hundred miles away, if a drone comes back in, there's nothing technically stopping the drone using any part of the flight deck.
0: Exactly. So why
2: actually, not? Uh, uh, actually, this is going to sound strange, but I've been sitting here thinking this and thinking through the mezzanine deck idea and all this stuff, I'm thinking well, if you do have a mezzanine deck you in a hangar, you already have a walkway all the way around the hang- most of the large hangars. So you could just widen the walkway on one side so you could actually move your drone, your smaller drones and medium, small and medium drones mm. along the deck. And you could have a recovery position at the stern with a little lift there and a launch position at the bow with a little lift there mm. and that would solve all your problems. I Admittedly, mean, you'd be just be doing like in every aircraft carrier has done now for over a hundred years but isn't there sometimes a point that reinventing the wheel is just going to cause you more trouble than just trying to go? Well, let's just improve the wheel we have by just making it work for both? Because we're already building a 30,000 ton ship. Surely, surely we can afford a few tons for that sort of arrangement to just work.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, and I would stop it, you having they? to
2: have the weird, uh, weird flight, a second flight deck at the back that could cause all the troubles and it would allow you to have the benefit of launching from the f- front and recovering at the stern and suddenly it makes all your operations a lot easier and all you've had to do is stick a ramp in and you've spread the weight evenly over your ship yeah. and you've now got the space of the ramp to store more drones if you need to
0: well, what you need is, <coughs> is one of those um kind of you know, airport um conveyor belts to, to to so you land you no, just... no 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 you don't need to make it that complicated you
2: can literally just have it with a wheelie that you can wheel
1: along alternatively you do not need
2: to start making this is the one of the one of the troubles that comes in you do not need to make things pointlessly complicated
1: alternatively seem- you could go you could look you could take both a retro and futuristic approach to things so you know, um, when the Iowas were using early drones back in the 80s, they just had a big net on the stern to catch the incoming drones. I think they're pioneer drones. So what you could do is have a slightly more automated version of that that looks a little bit like a windmill with a series of, of fishing nets on the top. Um, And so as the drone comes in, it just flies into the net. The net folds down to the deck. The drone gets removed. And as it goes round, if you have three or four of them on a spoke, then the next one pops up to catch the next incoming drone. So that solves your landing issues. And that. so that's the retro part. And then the futuristic part is you just take a lesson out of Battlestar Galactica and have them side launch out of tubes. Well,
0: that, and, yeah, I had thought of that when you were talking about the bow as well. That, uh, why not just put drone catapults?
1: You yeah. Know, shooting. And outside. I mean, they're fairly lightweight, so they don't have to be particularly complicated. You could literally get, um, A slightly beefed up version you know of those um those like two man water balloon catapults there's two big stretches of rubber with a bit in the middle you can imagine the fun that the crew would have if they just have a tube pointing out or two pointing out the side of the ship and you you have a drone there and you just have two men haul back this big rubber catapult slot it in the base and just (laughs) ping the drone out Mm. into the into the space
0: well hey look it's gonna it's gonna reduce the load on the um the, the engines producing electricity isn't it yeah uh, which means your radar might be able to work at the same time that you're launching your um, aircraft. Mm. Oh, and well, and well, for maybe, the maybe you should maybe you should suggest this rubber
1: band um, idea to the Royal Australian Navy with their um, yeah. Type 26 frigates. <laughs> <laughs> and and for the for the officers oh. in peacetime, it can double as a uh, clay pigeon shooting launchers. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes. So, well, uh, yeah. Well, it's it's option. There are options. There, there, there you know, there's always. You do
2: this sometimes just to torture me, don't you?
1: <laughs> I, I I only advocate. But for but it's these
0: crazy, crazy ideas. It's these crazy ideas that could germinate something that actually works. That's the that's the whole point.
2: They you know? could, but they'll spend millions testing them out before they eventually probably end up with the thing I suggested at the beginning. Just build a
0: frigging flat deck. alleyway. <laughs> oh. uh, I don't know. I, look, look, the By the way, is which it...
2: was, let's be honest, has got precedent in history because they, t- it, and I always love this the CBA 01 is considered revolutionary because it was designed to have a path to bring sh- uh, aircraft down the other at the outside of the island. Mm. And you sit there and go, that's not revolutionary. That's just moving around the island. If you, surely you could just make more space if you just move the island slightly more to the, the side. And then you have the space to move the aircraft on the main deck without the having all the weirdness of taking aircraft outside the island. Yeah. Uh, but there are, the, the, then, when I critique that, I tend to get people telling me, well, you know, the, the people back then really did understand what they were doing. They're very good naval architects. And I always remember <laughs> my dad's point of that, because he said, you have to remember naval architects are just as prone to tunnel vision as any other human being and they can get Mm. an idea in their head and think it's a good idea, design everything around it. And then at the end, they go, oh.
0: Why did we do that? Yes.
2: Yeah. So this is the point when people start telling me things like, oh, that turret on the G3s really makes sense where it's positioned. And I'm going, no, it doesn't. It's the most stupid. And you know how I know it doesn't make sense? Because when they're designing Nelson and Rodney, that turret gets moved. I don't agree where it ends up, but it gets moved because they know that position is not good for it.
0: Oh, well. Anyway, I guess we'll find out what happens. Um, We say these things about um, the uh, South Korean carrier, but then I notice that the LHDs that um, come out of Spain and Australia's using have also got cutaway sterns. So admittedly not for drones, but they've cut their stern away in order to provide space for you know uh, defensive systems and uh, uh, other kinds of platform decks and once again you think but
2: why yeah but it's not that big a space well and let's be it honest, is most of that space is actually proportionately
0: actu- it's similar to the to that of the um, the, the South Korean ship I would say what
2: what what I would argue worse is the fact that they have that lift at the end that's the thing that always worries me because if I was bringing f-35 in and I was gonna land in a rolling landing on a lift I would be having kittens but
0: but I think that's the point is they're not supposed to be landing on the lift they're supposed to be landing ahead of it
2: yes so. that, that that that's the thing I'd be having kittens about
0: uh, it's so, really look, not I'd... good
2: it, 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 it would really be making me
0: uncomfortable. So I mean, look I, again. You know, um, this is the age-old problem, and you see it with the Ford. What's what's with that huge open chunk on its, um, you know, on, on its back quarters? We're, we're going to have to speak to some sort of person who might have some sort of idea about why this is a trend of cutting away the sterns of these ships.
2: The trouble is, most of the architects and engineers who I know, who when they talk about these things, sit there and go yeah we don't want to do them but they're compromises for this this and this And, and, you and, everything and about go... everything's everything's
0: always a compromise but uh... yes i mean yeah i suppose you only yeah, you know, if you've got an, an, an approach path you don't need you've got an approach path so what would that corner mean not much but that corner might become important when you suddenly have to rearrange your flight deck because you've got a, a burning wreck on one side and this the need to um, conduct operations on the other mm-hmm. so yeah the, the, it always comes back you know uh, to you need available flight deck space in order to move your aircraft not just land them not just take them off but to 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 move them position them get them ready for launch and to Stow them while you're undergoing a, a rapid recovery, and Midway should have taught everybody that this.
2: Yep, we can always hope. But speaking of ships which don't have much of a drop down at the back, though, we have the new Chinese LHDs, which the Chinese are very happily showing off because, um, well, they've now got a pair of them operating together. So they mm. th- they're, they're, they're quite happy. They have Hainan and Gungzi. Guangzi mm. Guangxi, I think possibly. Uh, number 31 and 32. I do know that one. And they're the type 75s. They are planning on a type 76, which is supposed to come after them so they're basically doing the iterative approach again which they've do, uh, which they do to things uh, these are their new assault ships and they've got a pair of them operating together they apparently displace 40,000 tons they carry roughly 30 helicopters they have a hangar deck they are they have a floodable well deck which can disembark hovercraft and amphibious armored vehicles and we know Really, not that much about them. One of them are they full fire. of eels? One, yes, well, it it was
0: the one of was them, did the H5, fall. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, look, I mean, I've always had a weakness for LHDs. um, possibly because I've got a bit of a fanboy thing about the uh, USS Sulaco from Alien 2. Mm-hmm. The, the, the 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 concept of your um, your Swiss army knife warship that can do everything from uh, you know ship to ship combat to shore bombardment to deploying the marines. Um, sounds great in theory. Um, but of course In practice you know, it's probably gonna have to wait till we have a spaceship will, before we can well, actually but, do it. Well, well once again it's it's you know each of those elements then becomes compromised. Yes. Now a a, a helicopter platform because Have dock you seen
2: ship? how sailors have done in the past when they've been deployed as ground troops
0: <laughs> uh yeah. Um, heli- helicopter platform got got ships- The Napoleonic
2: Wars, they claimed they were the Swiss Army knife that could do ship-to-ship combat, ship bombardment, and, la- and the sailors could be landed as ground forces. It didn't usually work out that well. No. But, it was yeah, a waste of a load of
0: sailors. I think these ships are fantastic when it comes to disaster relief. Yeah, th- th- if you were going to have a national disaster relief force of some kind... Then you would probably want to build it a country like Australia and probably UK. would probably want to build it around this kind of ship because they can do everything. Really, uh, you know, supply from the shore, from offshore via air, via sea. Uh, They can have. Sure, it's the capital you love,
2: or the fact that Canberra and um, it's not just Canberra. Well, in the recent fire.
0: Well, but they've been doing that for a long time, and that—that yeah, was why they tried to rebuild those old US LHDs into—they um, uh, LHDs, LHDs, were LHDs, LSTs, well, the, the, the yeah, landing ship tanks into LHCs. So they—they yeah, they yeah. are eminently flexible, and they proved to be eminently fle- flexible in those civilian roles. Um, but
2: the, the Italians, role... if I'm not mistaken, actually have some which are technically banned for civilian ships. They are reserved for the Navy, and they are
0: bad to this disaster relief pump. But it's not just the Royal Australian Navy. The United States has been using its LHDs in similar roles for a long time as well. So there's no doubt they're eminently flexible and worthwhile ships. I just don't know whether they fit in a peer-on-peer conflict, though. Um,
2: well, they yeah. don't pit, fit in the fight on a peer-on-peer conflict. They fit in the bit which takes place after the fight. It's one of those things of once you have controlled the, once you have got to the level of control. Let let and let me please be beside this, The idea of control the sea being a black and white yes or no scenario is a very very um, strange phenomena which only seems to appear post Cold War where people think history is over and the world is supreme where you achieve enough local control of the sea to affect an amphibious operation, that is where these things become really, really critical, because they can build up troops ashore very quickly, because they but can but be well, the initial why way not just to use a roll, roll,
0: Why not just use a Roro ship? A, because a, a, you think you're civilian, going to get
2: control uh, of a, a, a harbour?
0: Well, but, but, but why do you need to have an LHD? But, um, what why Because spend... that's pretty much your dock offshore. But, but surely you there are other
2: things to it, and they can they can you can download into your landing craft to get them ashore. You can you can have an LPD and an LA, and an LPH, so you can have two ships to do the role. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, um. The I, thing I, is, I, I just wonder whether I just wonder whether because of that necessity, which is area dominance, if, um, what yeah, you know, do you need to build a Warship grade vessel to do that, or yes. do you, or, or do you, do you slap a flight deck on a on a on a on a Canberra, or do you, do you um, reconfigure your Atlantic Conveyor? Do you, you know, are these Actually, are these at... more are these more effective? Are there more effective ways of achieving the same for a scenario where you have to achieve dominance anyway than building a military spec ship? Um, to when you could be spending that money on a couple of extra air warfare destroyers to secure your Canberra or your Atlantic conveyor?
2: Not really, because if you look at... Well, let's put this if we look at the Falklands War example, you have two specialist military ships pretty much running the things. You have the cheaper military specialist ships, the LSTs, doing the high-risk dogs. And then you have the merchant ships coming into where the two specialist military ships are running things and sorting things out with them in there. So basically, what if you're looking at them as your total force and you're going, I'm going to put my total force in something expensive, then you're probably being a little bit you're probably going a little bit too far. But if that have been thinking, a,
0: but that would that have been an LHD? Would that expensive was, thing have been an LHD?
2: Michael Clack would have certainly preferred to have had an LHD because he needed service and maintain his helicopters. And until he had a forward operating base, he couldn't really do that because they didn't have a hangar facility aboard. Now a hangar on the LPDs would probably have been enough for him, but there again, that's in a time where we didn't have UAVs, we didn't have all the uh, uh, increased aircraft demands you need, and he didn't have attack cop, uh, attack helicopters or anything like that. He had some, some aircraft which could be used in attack helicopter role, but they were very rare and far between, and mostly operated from the forward operating base again. So it's one of those scenarios where it's, if you're looking at it and you're good, going, I want to put my whole force in this, you've got to be America or you've got to be China to justify that. But if you're everyone else, then you're looking at something which is a very useful asset. And here's the other thing an LHD can do. It can take air 35 so it can provide you with a limited strike capability and it can provide you with a limited organic air defense. And it can provide you with that second flight deck for your carrier aircraft if they're operating out at sea to come in land refuel and take off and do a forward air patrol so it's very, it's it's basically you're buying in the lhd a lot of force enhancement capabilities for what your major force will be
0: and again he's
2: suddenly slightly distracted it's because he's got a fluffy friend come in to try and go hello i want attention
0: yeah. But, but but again, I'm thinking, yeah. Why do you need it to build an expensive purpose LHD for that when you could put your a design your next generation, um, you know, tanker with a flat with a flat deck when you can build your next generation? Because you
2: won't be using your next generation tanker to do that job.
0: But it's it's, because it's you such won't. a narrow. But, but but what what you just described then though was a very narrow field of use it's that transition point between But it's it's a transition point between offshore and onshore operations you're always going to be building the onshore uh, capability of for your attack helicopters and for your VTOL uh, support because let's face it having solid land under your feet is always going to be a lot safer than having a um, displacement hull under your feet so for that day for those days or weeks do you need an lhd with the massive investment that it represents or do you need a good enough transition vessel which might well be a flight deck on top of a row row which might well be you're not
2: going to get those you're looking at how quickly do you think you're going to have that available
0: but well, you know, How
2: quickly? again, why, wouldn't the, why wouldn't the US Navy,
0: them? why wouldn't the US Navy, why wouldn't the Royal Australian Navy, why wouldn't the cash strapped Royal Navy hmm. get a row row ship as part of their force, because which every, with, a, with a flight deck on it that they can use. Um, you know, the Royal Navy they can, has can row buy ro ships, they don't they, and, have flight eh. decks on because the Treasury won't pay for it. <laughs> But the point is, is that they won't have to pay for an LHD if they've got flight decks on them. And you can have four yeah, Roro ships for the price of one LHD. You're not going to get the four uh, four Roro ships. And let's be honest, the LHD is
2: going to be useful on several other things as well. It's going to be a command ship. It's going to be a capability asset. And if you've only got two aircraft carriers, it's your extra flight deck if you lo- if both aircraft carriers get into trouble. And let's be honest, recently Britain has had a full lesson in that. Because Britain went with the economic solution mm. of getting two aircraft carriers, and has now gone. Oh, sugar! One was in refit, and we had to quickly rush it out of refit, and the other one got damaged, and that one's had to be taken into the same spot where the other one was being repaired. So we've got a problem in that we've only got two ships, which theoretically, according to computer simulations, oh, yeah. was fine, yeah. turned out not to be.
1: <laughs>
2: in nicest way, replacing an <clears> Albion <throat> and Bulwark with LHDs is the most sensible thing we can do.
1: Because it gives us
2: the backup flight decks for the carriers, it gives us the amphibious capability we need, it gives us the command capability we need, and it gives us those transition ships which will do all those jobs. But also, it gives us further assets we can send for presence to reassure allies. There are times when sending a carrier is too offensive, whereas if you send an LHD, you can be doing defensive.
1: I think part of of the problem is that um... (sighs) On the one hand, I can see the point. We replacing Albion and Bulwark with full spec LHDs makes a certain amount of sense from you know, the military secure communications, command and control perspective, etc., etc. But the fundamental problem with Fearless and Intrepid, with Albion and Bulwark, with insert names here replacements, is that two LHDs or LPDs or whatever you want to call them. they're a nice peacetime asset to have, but they're not they don't really add up to all that much in terms of a warfighting asset because okay, you can retake the Falklands with fearless and intrepid or fearless mostly with a with a with some assistance from commercial shipping. but let's face it, retaking the Falklands was not fighting a peer opponent. And it wasn't, you know, it, it was wasn't even a contested a a peer
2: opponent. It was a, it, not a peer, It wasn't a even a contested
1: peer. landing. To be to be fair, you know, um, to be
2: fair, they did a lot of work to make sure it wasn't a contested landing.
1: Yes, but my my point is, it's like going up against the Argentines at the tail end of the Argentine and the British don't do contested landing. The British prefer with, to go uh, elsewhere. In in an uncontested landing environment, you can just about do that with an LHD or two. You're not if you're going to fight if you want to term, term it a serious war against a peer opponent two lhds isn't going to cut it you might as well not have any um for all the good it's going to do you i mean you know e- even when you look at the u.s the u.s has lhds and lpds and all lal insert name uh letters here you know coming out their ears and even they're worried about the what they could possibly do in if they need to do an opposed amphibious landing or an amphibious landing period of any significant force because you know regardless of the individual capabilities of your lhgs there's only so many men you can fit into of them um, mm-hmm. so at that point what the royal navy needs if they are going to be serious about a full peer-on-peer amphibious capability is they need more than two and I yeah. think this is where the two two ideas come in. You need one or two as a um, as as your core force, your command and control. You carry the vital equipment on it, etc. But they're not particularly that much more defensible than a a, a a civilian row row hole that you've slapped a flight deck on and painted grey, mm. which is a lot cheaper. So exactly um, at that point you might you you have your your one or two core ships your flagship effectively and then just have half a dozen slightly adapted gray painted row rows with flight decks of them yeah they're not as capable as 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 your one flagship lhd but between the eight ships you might actually have something approximating a semi-decent landing capability that they will as be good enough to, for a
0: very narrow purpose
1: Yeah, as opposed to having that instead of that, having three LHDs, which really doesn't get you much more capability than two in a peer on peer conflict. Um, But but the problem is that if you present someone like the British government with the idea of, well, we need two replacement LHDs. Ideally, we want three, but there's this much cheaper alternative. So we could have two and six or two and four. Mm. The British you're government like will getting, go well. Why don't we just have? The, your, you can have your three replacement ones. holes, but you're just going to have the ro-ro conversion <laughs> holes, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, suddenly you've got, got a capability in name only. Yes, and that's uh, well. The, to be the fair, the thing is, is not, whether you've got three ro-ro conversions or two LHDs, as I say, in a peer-on-peer conflict, you don't really act- that doesn't actually manifestly change your capability all that much. The, that uh, that, but that's a fundamental problem of hole count hull count and crew retention which is something we discussed with sal um mm. previously of you know you can you can have all the the best blade plans in the world but unless you're prepared to fund the navy and you're prepared to actually pay people a half decent wage you're not going to get very far um and anyway we...
2: ultimately where the sort of the trouble comes in because I, I would have to say my view often is it's better to build these sort of ships in peacetime and have the core warships in peacetime, because in wartime, kind of like in the Falklands War, even the the governments will get forced to go, hang on, let's. we have to procure this stuff, and then you do get the stuff, emergency stuff in the Falklands War, but that emergency stuff will work most of the time because of the core naval stuff, and if you consider the core naval stuff, Michael Clapp, when he was on the uh, the show of us and talking about us, and I've had him on Mm. the shows before, one of his most common stories is the amount of ships, which didn't even have radio communication systems that were taken up by uh, from trade. They didn't have radio comms to put in them. And what he had to do was dedicate his staff helicopter, which was supposed to be there for helping him get around and coordinate with Sandy Woodward and all the other people, to actually flying around the ships and dropping off orders and instructions by chalkboard lowered down by a rope. Mm. And you sit there and go Ouch But,
1: but uh, that... see, this is This is why I think you want these You would I, This is why I think you'd want these um, Slightly lesser ships built in peacetime Because You know then at least you can guarantee That your 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 grey painted Roros at least have some radios installed And yeah. with And they've got some minimal adaptations For military use which means They're going to be more okay. efficient if you consider um, and liberation. it also gives you greater capabilities during peacetime, which reduces the, the potential need to use them in wartime. Because, you, yeah, you can generate goodwill by sending an LHD somewhere for disaster relief. You can generate a lot more goodwill by sending um, you know, an LHD for disaster relief to one country and, and two row rows to another country or, or two or three more countries to do even more disaster relief I, or I, presence I... or whatever.
2: I agree, DrakenFL, but the trouble is if we consider the LSLs and the broros, British have the point class, they also have the LSLs, the bay Mm -hmm. class. What do we do with the fourth bay class? Who do we sell it to?
1: Well, this comes back to the point of politicians being morons, which...
2: You see, this is the (laughs) thing, because the British actually had the system set up where they had three core amphibious ships, which was Ocean, Albion and Bulwark, or Ocean, Fearless and Intrepid, Plus, they also had Illustrious, which tended to fill in the role as well. So they technically, you could argue, had four. Then they had four bay class. And then they had, I think it was the six point class at one point. And that was actually a fairly good spread. You could list you had- a decent brigade. I think you had a bigger economy back, back then. It.
0: You had a bigger economy back then. No, we didn't. We had a smaller economy than we do now.
2: We're that talking about, so. about we had that in about the mid nineteen nineties. That was actually a smaller economy than just about Well, Not, I, I think the, I think
1: the difference was we with the with the um with the Falklands fresh in it, relatively fresh in everybody's memory, we at that point had a Ministry of Defense whose long term vision, let's just say wasn't so myopic as to require, you know, Coke bottle glass bases to correct and it was pre the
2: 1998 sdsr which was supposed to solve all joys but actually fudged everything completely
1: anyway well we have a history of white papers that ruin everything until some major incident points out why you know you actually need these things we're the thing is, it's when, they, to... it's
2: when they try and start playing for the uh, various parts of their forces off against the and Jamie, you've probably heard this in Australia. When they start, going, well, we can either buy tanks or we can buy another air warfare destroyer. That's not the same thing. When you need a tank, you really need a tank. Yeah, but, but if, well, if you need time, the air destroyer, destroyer, you need the air destroyer
0: at exactly the same time, though, you've only got that certain amount of money. So uh, it's just a it's just a raw reality of everything. Yeah, right, back poli- right back to the Polish right back to Roman times, back- I'm afraid.
1: <laughs> yeah, although <they're> the <laughs> you flip turn side the turn around and go, What do you want to do? It, this this is the other thing I don't really understand, to be honest, when it comes to these false economies, because um you know they they pay the sailors Soldiers, airmen, etc., basically a pittance compared to people, what people working those hours with those skills would get in private private industry. And then they're surprised where they have retention issues. Um, but you know, I I look at that and I'm like, but yes, on the one hand, you can say, oh, well, if we put everybody's salary up 20%, it's going to be an increase in our defense spending. But let's face it, what do most, you know, rank and file in the army air force navy etc do with the money you pay them it usually goes into the local economy particularly the local alcohol based economy <laughs> which means it comes back to you in tax revenues it's like you give you give a sailor a five grand a year pay increase you're going to get most of that back in the form of the revenues from the local spoons or whatever yes. um so you know there there might be a limited amount of increased spend in increased spending on defence you need to do but you'll get a significantly increased tax receipts as a result as well um, same
2: with paying teachers as a rule
1: <laughs> well, pay pay anyone who's living okay. hand hand to mouth most of the time and they tend Guys, to just spend money again but you
0: know probably getting close to the time where we should start thinking about money. yeah we, we, we have started talking about very you know, people while, 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 while I totally agree that both of you deserve a pay rise <laughs>
2: we, I would say we have managed to avoid Xi Jinping and his p- cult of personality, and That's also the uh, cha- uh, the pilots going and training the Chinese.
0: We're also doing well day
2: day
0: Also next week, we'll, we'll. I'm sure that I'm sure that things will um, happen between then and now, but they still to put it off even worth, more. Worthy, worthy subjects. Mm. Yes.
2: Thank you, <clears> much, <throat> everyone. Hope you enjoy Catch it. you
0: next week then. Bye. Bye. Welcome to the Bilge Pumps, where a bunch of naval geeks spout off.